Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, hello again. I'm so excited today to again tell you about the launch of my course, Monday Morning Leadership for Women, that is now a 10-week course. It is available to you, and it's awesome. It's off of my book, Monday Morning Leadership for Women. I want you just to go to my website and sign up, ValerieAndCompany.com. Okay, first I always have to thank my sponsor, and today it is Taylor Bags. These are the most incredible buttery, literally buttery soft leather handbags manufactured in Spain and with Italian leather. So be sure and check out the website, which is taylorbags.com. I know you'll want one. Whew, I have several. You know, I have been searching for a long time for somebody that really understands how our brain works. In fact, I got into studying it myself about three years ago because I was fascinated with how I can create workshops in a way that the participants who are listening to me will, in fact, listen. In other words, keeping the engagement. And so that led me into today's guest. I wanted to know more about how our brain works, how we as leaders make decisions, can make better decisions. Also, how we can create our own state of mind and not let our emotions go like this, which most of us, including me, have a tendency to do. So my guest today has her master's degree in neuroscience, and she has uh, combined that master's degree in her coaching business with the word happiness. In other words, how can we be happier in life, more fulfilled, by knowing how our brain works. So welcome Juanita Rowley. Hi Val, thank you for having me. We got the blue message, didn't we? We did, <laughs> we did. It's exciting to be here today and we're all blue. And we're all blue, <laughs> we're but not color. in mood, not in mood. Right, no, no, it's a happy color for me, okay. I love it. <laughs> well, I wanna get started uh, just in asking a very open-ended question, Juanita. Just what's a happy brain look like? Well, in my world, a happy brain is expressed out in your daily life, where you have come to a point where you've made the decisions in your life and created the environment around you, where you have happiness and peace and serenity and joy, so much joy, and you're, and you're able to um, live that continuously. We, even when there's ups and downs and and which we're all going to have, and yet we're able to still feel this sense of peace and joy and happiness all the time. Okay, we want to learn more about that for sure. You know, I'm thinking about just uh, how we learn, just learning itself. How does the brain help us in learning? We as leaders are always needing to stay on top of the trends and to uh, learn better ways of leading our teams and so forth. So just from a learning standpoint, what's going on in our brain? We have the commonality of all being human. 
And in that commonality, we have biological features that happen in our brains. And one of those is learning. And learning happens constantly, every day, all day. And we're changing our brains in the learning process. And now once we have learned something, it gets kind of encoded or programmed or however you want to look at it to where we tend to repeat those patterns regularly. But what's going on in the learning process is we're literally increasing and creating connections between the synapses in our brain and the neurons. And then the neurons will, will send the signals in that direction. And then the more often we repeat it, the stronger those get. Now, Juanita, what's a, sorry to interrupt, but what's a neuron and what's a synapsis? I have no idea. <laughs> so the neurons are the cells in the brain. Okay. And the synapsis is that gap between them. Kind of like a thread, would you describe it? No, there's a gap there and it sends information from one of the, uh, the neurons to another one. And we're constantly creating new ones. And our neurons can grow uh, receptors and such off of them where they can even shrink. But when we're, when we're learning something new, mm -hmm. we send off these signals and we make connections between other neurons. So for example, a simple um, picture of it, you have a connection between A and B. And this is something that you have learned and you learn something new. You create a connection between A and C. So A and B is still there and it's the more powerful one initially. But then as you continue to go between A and C, you strengthen that connection. So maybe in the beginning, it's a little dirt path, but then as you strengthen that connection, it becomes a four lane paved highway and that's the way you go more often. Mm. And the one between A and B falls into disrepair because now you're not using it as often. That's interesting. And there you've learned something new, strengthens that connection and brought that into a normal way of behavior and thought for you. So let's just take this to um, a leader's role. A leader is someone that leads other people, whether it's one direct re report or a whole team of many. And so as a leader is creating opportunities for their uh, team's professional development, they're always giving them, hopefully, opportunities to learn new things, to also increase their competencies, their skills. So I want to know what's going on in the brain as, let's say I'm taking a course, one of the courses I give. Let's just take that professional presence. Let's take that one. So I'm in front of the group and I'm presenting my program and they're learning literally some skills things about how to create a better presence, uh, how to level up their leadership um, competencies and so forth. They're learning these concepts, but also skills. I guess my question is how sticky is all that with someone? How do I know they're learning what I really want them to? Well, that last part of the question is a bigger one than the first part of the question. How do you know that they're learning that? And um, in, in order for you to know that they're learning that, then you would have to assess it in a particular way. Um, but as far as the, the people and what they are learning, they're going to be 
creating those new connections that we were just talking about. And then they would need to strengthen those connections. Now, I had a job once that was interesting because they threw a whole lot of information with us, at us all at once. And they said, they said, well, we're going to throw all of this at you and see how much of it sticks. Oh. And that, but then they didn't come back and assess how much of it stuck. They just kind of assumed that we got it all. So when, when uh, through that experience, what, what I learned from that was that it's really important to come back and find out what stuck, what mm -hmm. actually made a new connection and what is strengthening that connection so that we can actually say, this has been learned. And if you don't take the moment to find that out, then you just, you're, you're running kind of in the dark. Right. So you have to assess, is the, has this been learned? Where are the gaps? What hasn't been learned yet? And, and put those back in, because until those connections are made, those uh, new um, learning uh, synapses are created and strengthened, then the learning isn't there. That makes perfect sense. Okay, so let me take it to another level. We are all more than we want to be on technology. Juanita, does the use or the overuse of technology um, do something that it shouldn't do to the brain as we are on our cell phones constantly? How's that affecting the health of our brain? Depends on what you're looking for when you're talking about health of your brain. There's, there's positives and negatives to the technology today. And there's positive and negative views on it, depending on what generation that you're coming from. Mm -hmm. If you're coming from an older generation, then this is, this is a very new technology that has changed the way that we interact. If you're coming from one of the younger generation where this has been something from birth, it's a first language for them, <laughs> then this is how life is. Right. And the minus that could be an unhealthy brain for them. So we have positives in our communication. We have we are at new heights of being able to stay in touch with people. And a lot of the younger generation, that's where their entire social structure and groups reside. So if you took that away or, or depleted that, that could be very unhealthy for them. But it's also unhealthy when the, the connections between people are interrupted, when you constantly have um, your dinners or your social times get interrupted by the, the ringing of the cell phone. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then we have, it, it can get very, very deep, <laughs> depending on which direction you're looking at it. So it's, it, it really depends on where you're coming from. Yes, there's, there's negatives. Yes, there's positives. So there's pros and cons on each and where you're at, where you're, what your goals in life are, play a part in all of that. That's, that's really good information. I've got so many questions. Here's another one. With our brain being so wonderful, how do we take care of it? How do you keep your brain healthy? Right. In my opinion, <laughs> and that's just my opinion, you have to be very conscious of the health of your body in the first place. Mm -hmm. We need to feed our bodies right. We need to have exercise. We need to give our our brains an opportunity to have good um, oxygen through breathing, um, in, in, which you can do through like some meditation techniques. You can combine things through yoga or tai chi that really give your body some peace. And then you need to it, learn about your how your brain works 
so that you can make the conscious choices that make your brain feel better. Because when your brain feels better, that means you feel better. That makes perfect sense. So let's say, Juanita, uh, and this is real, all of us, I think, get to the computer in the morning and we get to our task. And I've heard, is it true or not, that our brain needs to breathe every once in a while. In other words, get up, get away, take a breath, let it kind of re-energize itself. Is that true? There is times, time particular uh, dedication that your brain is capable of doing and giving yourself a break every now and then is really good for your brain mm -hmm. where you're going to stop working specifically on one thing. Get up. It's good for your body too. get up, walk around, take some breaths, let your brain relax, and then you can return to tasks. That is absolutely good for your brain. Well, uh, you know, that, that leads to um, just thinking about how leaders make choices, good ones. And you told me uh, in our pre-interview, Juanita, that a leader said, or a good leader would say something to themselves or others like, let me think about that. How often do I say that to myself or to someone else versus got to have an answer. Talk to us right. about, I need to think about that. What's going on up here? That's good. So we have a lot of connections between the different structures in our brains that happen automatically because we're human, because that's the way we were designed. Right. And with those connections, oftentimes we follow these patterns and pathways that have been laid down from childhood up. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the basically the programming that we've had as we go along. And when we're just following that programming, sometimes we're not accessing our prefrontal cortex, which is the area of our brain that allows us to think about our thinking, to contemplate our ideas, to consider our options, to make decisions and to, to establish action plans. When you stop and think about things, then you're putting it into the prefrontal cortex. And that's that good. gives you the opportunity to really just think things through. And all too often, we just want to pop out with an answer. And instead of doing that, if we'll pause and we'll say, let me think about that, mm. we can come up with an entirely different perspective around it. I'm going to put a sticky note on my computer screen. <laughs> That's an awesome suggestion. It really is. Just stop and think about it. We don't have to have a fast answer. I like that a lot. You know, I always ask... Juanita, and I did you, what some of your leadership lessons have been. And one of the things you just brought up, you said, we don't have to stay stuck. Tell us about that. When we have these patterns and pathways that we've created in our brains, and we're following these um, preconditioned ways of thinking, it's kind of like a river flowing down the mountainside and it's just going to keep flowing in that direction until we do something to change it and in the moment that we stop and we start thinking about our thinking hmm. we change the pathway of that river and we can create a different way we can make it the, a choice in that moment 
to think and feel and behave differently. And in that choice of that moment, we create a new connection in our learning. And then we can strengthen that pathway and we can completely change the way that we behave, the way that we experience life and the way that we interact with others. And it's a choice. We don't have to stay stuck. Our brains are completely changing every day and we can choose in which way that they change. That is um, fascinating in terms of leading to another thing you and I talked about earlier, which is happiness or peace. Everyone I know, including myself, is always seeking for that state of being where I feel good. I'm in a good state of mind. So in our workday, we're working along and a surprise happens. Something interrupts that state. Tell us from a brain standpoint what's going on and how we can intentionally, by what you'll share, get back to that more even sense rather than just going crazy the rest of the day. So we have a, a function in our brains that um, allows us to protect the resources of our brains. So when we're utilizing our prefrontal cortex, we're actually burning glucose or expelling glucose out of the cells of our brain. Research has shown that once you have expelled a significant amount of this glucose out of the cells of your brain, that's when we need to go to sleep. Hmm. And while we're sleeping, we reuptake that glucose. There's still a world of science to be learned around um, sleep. Sleep yes. studies are super interesting because we don't even understand it all as well right now. And it's amazing that at this point in life that we don't understand everything about the brain, but we don't. Right. And this is one of the one of the theories that's that is currently out there is that we reuptake that glucose. And then that way when we wake up, we're able to go again. So what our brains do is when we're processing something in our prefrontal cortex, like you're at work and you're doing your daily pattern and you're working through something and you do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're going to take that behavior once you've established it and it moves to the basal ganglia where it's housed. And at that point, it's not using as much energy. It's not burning up as much glucose and yet you can still do it. It's kind of running on autopilot. Okay. And we have a ton of autopilot behaviors that we do every day. Everything that we do repetitively and habitually, we can put into this lower energy consumption area of our brain. So you're working and then suddenly you're surprised by something, something comes along that you weren't expecting and interrupts your day. Mm -hmm. Well, our, uh, now your signal has to move back to the prefrontal cortex and your body, your brain literally has protection that helps to not expend the energy unless necessary. And this will is usually seen as an unnecessary. So when your, your signal tries to come back to the prefrontal cortex, you get this pushback effect, this big error detection. It says, no, no way, Jose, we're not going back there. We're used to it in being processed with the low energy. And instead of it making it to the prefrontal cortex where we can actually think about our thinking, it goes to the orbital frontal cortex, which then sends it to the amygdala. 
the amygdala is responsible for all of our negative emotional responses like anger and frustration and irritation. It activates our sympathetic nervous system for fight or flight. Now all of a sudden you're responding from this very negative, emotionally charged situation. So you may snap at somebody or get upset and now you're frazzled and you can't even get back on task. You can't figure out where you were, what you needed to do. And it can wreck your, not just the moment, but your mm -hmm. entire day. So understanding that you have these processes in place, understanding when these get interrupted, this can make a difference in everything, both in the moment and on reflection because we're not perfect, we have to learn about these things, but we have the opportunity to reflect on them and we get even better to where we can do it in the moment. And then you can say, oh, I know why I'm feeling like this. I know why I'm reacting like this. And what you've done in that moment is you have stopped the signal from going there. You've moved it back to the prefrontal cortex and now you're thinking about it. And once you hmm. have the option to think about it, you get to choose your behaviors and your thought patterns and what you want to do with it. And as you do this over and over in life and you practice it, practice makes perfect, you know, you strengthen those synaptic connections, then, then you learn how to create the environment around you mm. and how to handle things like that so that you maintain the equilibrium and the peace and the serenity that you want in your life. Oh boy. If I can just remember that, but you're absolutely right, Juanita. Everyone wants to have a, sen a greater sense of peace. I hear that a lot. If I could just have some peace or joy or back to you, the happiness person, <laughs> and you are the happiest person I know. But if I'm hearing <laughs> you right, Juanita, what you're saying is that some of the concepts you're telling us today is the stopping and the thinking about something before we quickly react. Is that the net net of it? The prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that sets us apart from the animal world. Yeah. We are unique in that we have this part of our brain and the functions. Is it right here? Able to do this. Right here, it's Juanita? Right yeah. across the front of our brain. Okay. It's a whole section of our brain there. Okay. And, and um, we have the ability to think about things, to make decisions, to contemplate ideas. Mm -hmm. And we have that being gifted with the prefrontal cortex. We have the ability to change everything about our lives, about ourselves, about how we experience this. It's all a choice. Mm. All of it is a choice. And I know that sometimes people throw that out in a negative fashion. Um, it's your choice to do that. And when people don't understand what's going on in their, in their brains, they can take that as a negative. But the reality is that it really is a choice, that you're not stuck. You're not in uh, running down a highway, bouncing off the guardrails, completely out of control. You're not caught in the flow of that river and there's absolutely no way to change it. There, you do. And it okay. comes through knowledge and understanding the more you gain your knowledge about what's happening literally in your brain, what's bringing you to the point of your decisions and your behaviors, then you get to choose. Mm -hmm. It's that microsecond of interruption when you understand that you could be behaving because of a particular pattern. Mm 
or because of a pre-programmed way, because of a connection that's an automatic uh, survival feature that has been built into our brains. And you get that message up to the prefrontal cortex where then you think about it and you get to choose. Everyone's version of peace and joy and happiness and serenity is uniquely theirs. And everybody's uh, version of it is what they can create as long as they understand that they can get it up here into our beautiful prefrontal cortex and think about it and make choices around it. Juanita, what do you do with someone who is constantly negative? What's going on in the brain? And, and let me let me be uh, even more graphic. <laughs> I picture, and maybe I learned this in my naive study of the brain, but I picture that when our thoughts are are put into this area of our brain, that we're creating little divots. This this is how I'm I'm. Uh, contemplating some of the things you're saying, that we make little divots in the road, right? And the stronger the divots, the more the highway gets into a smooth highway and it stays there, like everything's negative. Well, then the negative, the divots are all going to be negative. Or thinking like you're suggesting we can and have choices to, we're going to have a more positive highway. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. What you, what we do, the way our brains connect is it's not a linear pathway all the time. We connect in mental maps and we connect out to all kinds of experiences that we've had in our lives. Our experiences from birth up where we were, we were experiencing our social group, our parents, our teachers, um, whatever religion we were associated with, all of these things have uh, played into our lives to create a map experience and create these programming that we have in our brains. Now, when we draw off of those experiences, which we do for everything, literally everything that we get involved in, we take these experiences and it sets expectations. And the research has shown that your expectation can actually create reality. Huh. So for instance, if you're in the dentist office and you're gonna get a shot to deaden your mouth, your expectation is that it's gonna hurt. And your expectation can make it hurt even when it hasn't happened. Oh boy. So our, our, <laughs> our expectations, which come from our mental maps, uh -huh. really create reality. So now you're talking about somebody who has um, a, a glass half empty type of uh, mental. Mm -hmm. Well, they have probably developed these mental maps over the years that have led them to the point of expecting everything to be negative. Mm. And they tend in that direction quite often. Yep. And what happens with that is it actually produces some of those results. So in those situations, what has to happen is that they they have to come to the understanding of what has created these expectations, reframe it to see if it's reality for real, mm -hmm. and come start thinking about it in a different way and change those expectations. And in that moment, and again, we're back to the pre prefrontal cortex of thinking about it. We can we can learn we can learn it differently and then live out that difference 
And that can create an entirely different way of how we look at the world, especially when we discover, wow, it doesn't have to be that way after all. Mm -hmm. I thought it did, but it didn't. And this is way better, which gives you this plunge of neurotransmitters that is just wonderful, that makes your brain feel good and your body feel good. And then we want to do it again. (laughs) So we can follow those pathways again and have these positive, super good feelings. And then you create your life around that, with that, through that, complete with that. Well, you know what? I think what I'm landing on here in this conversation is uh, the gratefulness that you have taken this master's degree in neuroscience and you've connected it and are now living in the coaching space by using all of your wisdom when you do your coaching, Juanita. Is there any particular in closing story of a a real turnaround by doing so with a client? I have, I'm amazed every day. I'm a student as well as a teacher in this whole process. This isn't an insto fix. This is something that you learn over time Mm -hmm. and you experience. And then, like I said earlier, that there's the moments of reflection and then you get better and you can do it in the moment that you spend the time like, oh, maybe I didn't respond so good in that moment. Uh Um, And then you can think about doing it differently. And then there's the moments when we actually choose to respond in a way that might not be as edifying and and, uh, healthy and uplifting in our hearts and our brains. And and that's okay too. The thing that we have to understand is that we're all human and none Uh of us are perfect. And we make mistakes and we fix things and we grow and we learn. The more that we we come to the point of understanding ourselves, it helps us to lead to understanding others. And I am absolutely blown away and amazed by the by the changes that I see in the people that I've been working with. It goes beyond anything that I could plan because mm-hmm. each person, again, is individual in what they're experiencing in their lives. So it, it would be hard for me to pick out one single one because everyone is so unique and so different. And it's so impactful that <laughs> that it's just, it's exciting and fun for me to watch it all and to go, wow, this really yeah, makes a difference. <laughs> and for me too, I do it and I learn it. So it's just, it's an amazing experience. It's a ride. It's joy. It's a shame. <laughs> it's, a shame. it's a shame you don't have any passion. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, one final question, um, because you've got a picture of a cat, and the question I would have on that, I know that cats are uh, part of your life, and it relates to me to play or having a hobby or doing something besides work that is so fulfilling to you. I often ask my clients, you know, what what brings you, what feeds your soul? What is it outside of work? Because let's face it, it's a harder, I think, time in our uh, century of where we're at and, and being fulfilled in the work that we do. So we have to, to your point, create some fulfillment for ourselves. So for you, it's your cats and showing them. Just tell us a little bit about what that outside hobby or joy, uh, how important it is, again, to our soul, but also what's going on in our brain related to that. So there's, Val, I want to address this in a kind of a unique manner for you, okay? Okay. So we have 
um, we have a sense that some things will bring us happiness mm -hmm. and maybe even cross over that line into peace and joy and serenity. Mm -hmm. um, I call these things happy bringers. Things like, oh, if I could just get a higher paying job or maybe, you know, stop this relationship with a significant other or maybe have more money or these things that, that people just feel like that's what would make me happy. You know, I call these things happy bringers because the happy bringers do create a sense of happiness for a time. Uh-huh. And what I'm bringing to the table here is the ability to create happiness that lasts for a lifetime. Happiness that you engage in on a daily basis to keep your peace and joy and serenity around you all the time. That's not to say that happy bringers are not there. They are, but they're temporary. Mm -hmm. And happy bringers will not continue that long line of it. Now you're discussing hobbies and stuff like this. This can fall into the category of um, happy bringers, or they can fall into the category of this brings peace and joy to my soul. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at the person individually and uniquely. It is not a requirement that you engage in hobbies or anything else around life than what you want, what you're looking for, what really feeds your soul and your mind and helps to create this sense of, of uh, serenity and peace and joy and happiness that you have in your life. If you do have a hobby that brings you joy, then you want to engage in it. And you want to make sure that you give yourself time for that. And you want to um, work through what it takes to design your days in a way that you can have that in your life. The cats for us, well, they're here every day, <laughs> constantly <laughs> with us. And, and, um, and we want to engage in the, uh, the activity of actually showing them and getting out and doing that. So we prioritize that in our lives and we take time to yes. do it. And that time, sometimes I, I can look at it and I'm like, wow, those people have so much time to do so much stuff. Uh, I wish I had time to do it. Right. But then I'm like, but what am I spending my time on? And I like what I'm spending my time on. Yeah. So that brings me the state of being that I want to live in. I hope that's sufficiently so answered the question. well said. And it finalizes one of your lessons learned, Juanita, when you said, you know, we're all human in our shared humanity. Uh, what's important is to love ourselves. And I used to think that's woo-woo statement. How do I love myself? That's <laughs> egotistical. I'm not going to do that. But it means really having that sense of self and being okay with who you are instead of, well, I'm not this and I'm not that and I wish I could and she, she, <laughs> and others. So, loving ourselves, being at peace with who we are. That's why I love my work in personal branding. It, it cements who you are at your core and who you are at your core is, is awesome, whatever that is, your brand. But then also having the ability to reach out and really love others and by the word love, care, whatever word you wanna use. But it's not all about you. And right now, I'm just kind of concerned about the fact that sometimes when I get on the highway, everybody's all about them. And with that, I'm going to say thank you. <laughs>
Juanita, this has been uh, very enlightening, and we've taken it to what real things we can do as leaders in our lives to create that happiness, knowing what's going on in our brain. So let's just intentionally. If you, if you have a moment, Val, I'd, I'd love to put in something about what you were talking okay. about there. Okay, you bet. Okay, so so um, when when we when we are learning how to think about our thinking, we're learning a lot about ourselves. We're learning about what we do really desire in our lives and what mm -hmm. can bring us to this sense of peace and joy and happiness and serenity. Mm -hmm. And when we when we learn these things about ourselves, we have to have compassion and and forgiveness yes. for our own selves in that. <laughs> and once we've learned how to do that, we understand that we're not perfect and we start creating this world around us, then we start to exude this into our lives and we start to affect other people because emotions are contagious. Yes. And other people get to feel this. And to top that all off, it gives us the opportunity to look at other people and go, oh, I know why they're behaving that way. And maybe they don't know what I've learned already. Mm -hmm. And it creates an, an opportunity in ourselves to be compassionate to others well because said. they're not perfect either. Mm -hmm. And they maybe don't know everything that, that you have learned and they still feel stuck and in these patterns of behaviors that they don't know how to break free from. So it gives us an opportunity to be much more compassionate and forgiving and our interaction with them is better. The way we see the world is better. The way we feel about ourselves is better. And it sure would cut this whole bias thing. Whoa, isn't that amazing? It's all see about the brain. It's all about the brain. <laughs> Juanita, you really are the expert. And if people are interested in knowing more and working with you, where can they reach you? I have a website at qualitascoaching.com. And I have a program, Happiness Through Neuroscience. I have a full 16-week program that you can engage in. Will you be working with me and coaching with me? I also have a do it at your own pace where you can engage with the material and do it at your own pace. And then if you want to bring in individual coaching, you can. Well, I'm going to sign up. All as... that information on my website. Great. I'm signing up, Juanita. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thank you so much for being on the show. And stay with me for just a moment, if you would, because I always have a Valerieism at the end. And this one is, uh, I just thought I'd talk about what we post, because what comes out of our brain goes into social media now and being careful about that. Now, why am I talking about that? Because recently... There's too much negative posting. Now think about the brain and what we're feeding it constantly. How can we have a happy brain <laughs> and a peaceful state of mind if we are bombarded by either what we're reading in posts, so stop it, or what we post and stop it? There's too much negativity going on in posting. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So, thanks for being with us. Until next time, have a peaceful week. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, 
Lead authentically.